This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. So I'll just try to squeeze in one more paper before then. It's a paper I found in pediatrics, and it's called Transition to Adulthood for Extremely Preterm Survivors. Uh, first author is Lauren Higdon. And it's a very interesting study because, you know, um, I tell this parent sometimes that how are babies going to grow up as adults? We almost don't know because our field has changed so much in the past years that um, we're getting information really continuously. Um, we are um, getting information on the babies that were born maybe 80s, who are now like in their mid-30s and closer maybe to 40 years old. But this paper is saying, well, what about the babies who were born in the post-surfactant era, which really is the time point in where um, we feel like there was a revolution in the field of neonatology with improved survival and so on. And they're wondering how um, extremely preterm slash extremely low birth weight uh, survivors transition into adulthood compared to term-born controls in areas such as education, employment, financial independence, and health. I thought that was a very, uh, I was very curious to read this paper because it's something that uh, I ask myself uh, very frequently. This was a prospective longitudinal cohort study that was done in Australia, specifically in the region of Victoria between uh, 1991 and 1992. Uh, they had matched term-born controls to the preterm slash low birth weight infants, and they assessed them at 25 years and they looked at educational attainment, employment, financial status, a romantic partnership, living arrangements, health, and risk-taking behaviors. Uh, the results are quite interesting. There's data from 165 uh, preemies and 127 control participants. Um, and I'm going to go through uh, the, the, the principal uh, themes. Uh, the first one they mentioned is educational achievement, and they're showing that um, there's very little difference between the groups in the proportion of children who actually uh, completed high school. Um, and there was evidence predominantly in the unadjusted analysis for uh, more preterm survivors compared with control attending uh, technical college and fewer attending university or obtaining a, a bachelor's degree. But the confidence interval, even for that, were quite wide. So I think overall, this this was this was fairly positive. Uh, in terms of employment, uh, financial status, there's really they didn't see any difference in the in in what was the main source of income between preterms and full term. Um, there was an indication that maybe preemies are still reliant a little bit more on government support, pension, or allowance compared to controls. But um, that first of all weakened significantly when they started excluding babies with major neurodevelopmental disabilities. So I think that was that was quite interesting as well. Um, and um, very little difference between terms and preterms uh, on the proportion who were um, in paid employments. Um, so, so that was quite nice. I forgot to mention that the preemies that we're talking about on average were about like 26, 27 weeks. That was the median gestational age. So not, not big preemies, you know. Um, in terms of romantic relationship, pregnancy, parenthood, living situation, um, no difference in the proportion of children living independently. But there was evidence that more preemies, um, more former preemie young adults had actually never moved out of the parental home, going back to this sort of uh, fragile, maybe uh, infant syndrome. I don't know if that's related. I have no idea. But I think that's interesting. Um, and there was a weak evidence 
that uh, preterms and low birth weight and adults, former low birth weight uh, babies and, and adults were less likely to have been married or cohabitating, maybe having to do with if you're not really moving out mm -hmm. of your parents' home, that might be an impediment for, uh, for many, God knows. Um, interestingly enough, when they looked at mental health, they didn't find differences in the proportion who had experienced psychiatric or mental health problems alone or over the previous 10 years. And I think that's, that's tremendous because you might think could there be a stigma of prematurity, something like that? But to, to, to read this was quite good. Uh, good for our preemies, no difference in uh, smoking rates, but preemies were less likely as adults to have uh, ever smoked compared with controls. And they were also less likely to binge, uh, to binge drink alcohol and try street drugs. So you see, you see there's there some... There you go. Uh, That's very good. Um, they looked at interpersonal relationships and they showed that they, they really did not see differences between reported problems uh, getting along with colleagues, fellow students, adults with whom they leave or they live or neighbors. So, so they didn't have issues making uh, relationships. And in terms of life satisfaction, um, they our former preemies did not feel more lonely uh, or had difference in their current satisfaction with education, work, financial situation, housing, social life, or relationship. Something that we talk about all the time where what is the quality of life for our preemies? And, and to hear these numbers are, are quite good. Um, I think um, in summary, um, this, this study indicates that survivors born preterm or extremely low birth weight uh, in the post-surfactant era, and remember it's only like from 91, babies born between 91 and 92, it's a very narrow cohort, but still go do a study with 25-year follow-up, mm -hmm. uh, are mostly transitioning satisfactorily into early adulthood. It will be important to continue to reassess this cohort as they move through their adult years to monitor changes over time. The um, EPELBW cohort, the extremely preterm, uh, extremely low birth weight cohort, uh, may be at higher risk of adverse health outcome with age, particularly cardiovascular and respiratory health based on prior studies. Um, so that's something that will require further investigation. But I think that as parents are asking us, what's in mm -hmm. stake for my baby? This is a great study to look at. And it's actually quite yeah. positive. I, I take this quite... Uh, with a with an optimistic uh, turn, because I think there's a lot to be scared about, especially especially when you are looking at these babies. Like I said earlier, um, the baseline characteristics are interesting. The median gestational age was twenty six point six. Median birth weight eight hundred and eighty grams. That was in nineteen ninety one, by the way. Thirty two percent from multiple births, and um, yeah, so uh, yeah, only thirty eight percent received. Surfactant. So mm -hmm. even though they're in the post-surfactant era, they still mm -hmm. probably wouldn't match what we are doing today. So right. very interesting, I thought. Yeah. And I mean, it's totally in line with previous research about especially quality of life for for our patients. So mm -hmm. I think it's it's nice to see that. And hopefully yeah. we'll just keep getting better and better. So there's no difference between <laughs> that's right. Former preemies and their full-term cohort. Thank you for listening to the Incubator Podcast. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Instagram or Twitter at nikupodcast or through our website, at www.the-incubator.org. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. 
Thank you.